You know by now that the dogs in my house wear Paco collars, and the newest addition is Stig's tan leather collar with brass fittings and turquoise stones. It seriously looks like the bay we bought our house on, and his smooth coat and long neck show it off perfectly. We picked it out in person at Paco's booth, and the staff helped us to be sure we got the exact fit and style that was right for him. I catch myself mesmerized by this collar when I walk him. How crazy is that? So get over to PacoCollars.com and grab a collar you'll be obsessed with. And don't forget to use the promo code COGDOG for free shipping. We've got a puppy. Puppy Elementary is my puppy training subscription service, and it's all about our new puppy, Watson. It's just $45 for six months of Watson's development and education, and you'll have indefinite access to the materials, so sign up anytime. Just go to www.thecognitivecanine.com and click the Puppy Elementary tab at the top of the page to register. Each week, you'll have access to multiple training videos and blogs, as well as constant access to the Puppy Elementary Facebook group, where you can talk about your progress with other students. Watson won't stay little for long, so join now. You all know how excited I am about Worked Up Camp, and I hope you're excited too. Working spots are full, but we've still got plenty of room for auditors. The camp is in Port Orchard, Washington, and it is September 28th through September 30th. It's going to be a ton of fun, lots of learning, really great community, and I can't wait. So hop over on the both the CogDog Radio and the Cognitive Canine Facebook pages have information on camp, and you can always join the camp event page. Just search for Worked Up Camp, and you'll find it, and you can get all the details there as well. So I hope to see you at camp. Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah Strumming of the Cognitive Canine, and this is Cog Dog Radio, a podcast about all things dog sports and dog training. Join me as I explore my cases and considerations regarding the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. I hope you enjoy it. So inadvertently, I talk about reactivity quite a bit. Um, I talk about reactive dog behaviors. I talk about how to move through the world with a dog that you might consider reactive. And because of that, I get asked all the time, essentially for a formula for curing reactivity. And I'm here to give you the formula. Just kidding. I'm here to tell you the formula doesn't exist. I'm here to tell you that there are ways to work with and around reactivity and there are always solutions to behavior problems. And we're going to talk specifically about what we consider quote-unquote reactivity in our dogs and how we can maybe work through it. So first thing we have to do, first thing we always have to do is to operationalize reactivity, meaning Let's get clear about what we're actually talking about here. So in my book, reactive simply translates to overreactive, a dog that overreacts to um, a particular stimulus or a set of stimuli. Usually in my work, dogs are overreacting to other dogs 
or to people, strange people they don't know. And more often than not, it's to other dogs, um, dogs that they don't know. What does this behavior look like? It looks like barking, lunging, maybe snapping, maybe snarling. Um, typically, this behavior is happening on leash as well, which is why sometimes it gets classified as quote-unquote leash reactivity. So we, So the first thing we always have to do when we're going to solve or try to solve a behavior problem is to operationalize the behavior problem rather than label it. So if we label it reactivity or leash reactivity, that's fine, but we need to then decide what does that actually mean? Does it mean making contact, biting, puncturing? Or does it only mean barking and lunging? Um, and what's the proximity in which this behavior occurs? Does my dog do it if the other dog is a football field away? Or do they only do it when that other dog is across the street? Or maybe they only do it when the other dog is showing reactive behaviors first. That's certainly something that I've experienced. So the first thing we need to do is operationalize it. And that will allow us to decide, you know, how close is this set of behaviors, are the set of behaviors, to um, what we would consider a normal set of behaviors. So if it's normal for a dog to bark and lunge at another dog that barks and lunges first, then maybe it's less normal to us for a dog to bark and lunge before the other dog does so. Um, and maybe we don't think it's normal ever. Maybe we want the dog to never act that way. And this brings me to kind of my next point, which is that we always need to be discussing end goals. So end goals are vital to have on the table and have talked about anytime we're talking about behavior problems because the client or the owner's end goals are actually what matters the most if it would be perfectly fine for my client to go on a walk in their suburban neighborhood where they encounter one or two dogs each time and where feeding their dog every time they see another dog is something that is not too much to ask and where their dog is generally going to be on leash in this scenario, that's different from my client wants to do dog agility. My client wants to do dog obedience. And my, dog, my client's dog needs to not bark and lunge at other dogs in those environments. And then even still, that's different from my client is a backpacker who, you know, hikes for days at a time with their dog off leash and they need to encounter other dogs sometimes on the trail. That's all going to dictate my behavior modification plan because certain plans are going to get me certain places and other plans are going to get me other places. So let's talk about some of the differences. We basically, to me, we have reactivity behaviors specifically directed at other dogs divided into two camps. We have clients whose end goals are for their dogs to be around but not interact with other dogs. And so that's going to include my performance clients who want to go to obedience, go to agility, and it's also going to come, going to include my suburban or urban clients who are not taking their dogs out um, where they're going to see other dogs off leash. And those dogs can be simply trained in alternative behavior. Those dogs can easily be trained to do something else other than react because they will be kept away from the other dog 
generally speaking. And while they're taught to do something else, so they're basically taught um, a DRO procedure, which is differential reinforcement of another behavior. While we go through that, there's also going to be some just tag along classical counter conditioning where the dog gets more comfortable with other dogs. And generally speaking, this is going to get you to your end goal of a dog that sees another dog and maybe looks at their handler or offers a sit or something like that, as opposed to reacting. So this seems like it is too simple to be true, but good quality dog trainers have been doing this a very long time. Um, The first person that I heard of doing this was Patricia McConnell, Dr. Patricia McConnell. Her program was called Feisty Fido. She literally just trained dogs to turn and sit and look at their humans when they saw another dog, and she was wildly successful with it, and people are still successful with it. Um, And then, you know, more and more down the line, there are plenty of trainers who are teaching this kind of route, and it's fine, and it's effective. Is it perfect? No. Nothing is perfect, but generally speaking, you you get the job done, especially if you can feed the dog each time they do it. Um, And now the dog's motivation for working around other dogs has to do with the food that you've got. And so they go, ooh, another dog is an opportunity for me to earn food, rather than another dog is an opportunity for me to control my space with my reactive behavior, because control as we have to remember, is a primary reinforcer just like food. So end goals really matter here. What I find is that um, most of my clients, because I teach the four steps to behavioral wellness, and one of the pieces of that program is exercise, and I encourage off-leash exercise, what I call decompression walks. I encourage dogs to be off-leash much of the time. Um, Because of that, my clients want more. They want their dogs to be encountering other dogs and being comfortable with that while they're out on their decompression walks. And so because of that difference in end goals, then I need to up my game a little bit and talk a little bit more about you know, what else we can do besides just a differential reinforcement procedure. And this is where I get into the realm of what I would call remedial socialization. Most quote-unquote reactive behaviors will not be present or will be present in lesser quantities if we remove the barrier that is involved, usually the leash. So sometimes I have perfectly nice social dogs that will fence fight with other dogs that walk past them. That's about the barrier. You get the, get rid of the barrier, the dog's no longer fighting. Um, I consider leash reactivity to be a big part of this. So in my remedial socialization plans, there needs to be no leash. Or in the beginning, a long line, if that makes the people feel more comfortable, if that feels safer to everyone. And As you know, I'm a huge fan of basket muzzles, so use the basket muzzle, use the long line, use whatever you need to help you feel more comfortable, and then simply expose your dogs to as many other dogs as you can through some remedial socialization. Now, 
is it smartest for us to pick really socially savvy dogs for this work? Of course it is. Um, I think you'd be surprised how many dogs are pretty socially savvy once you get rid of the leashes, once you give them enough space. Um, I'm constantly surprised by this actually because I, when I'm at, you know, say an agility trial, I don't see a lot of socially normal or appropriate behavior. And I think that just comes back to the environment itself does not breed socially normal or appropriate behavior, which is why the majority of Watson's socialization, our puppy, is around just other dogs I know out in nature rather than at agility trials. But more on that in a second. So I'd literally go through remedial socialization with these dogs. Are they still going to react and snark sometimes? Sure, that's where the basket muzzle comes in. Nobody gets hurt. Um, I think you'll be amazed how few dogs retaliate and if they do, how few dogs still actually hurt the other dog. Are we running a risk here? Of course we are. But we always are. If you're going to unclip that leash ever, you're running some risk. I'm going to say that if you're walking down the street with your dog on a leash, you're running a risk of, of another dog just running up to them at any given time. Um, remedial socialization is very important. You need your reactive dogs that are being ridiculous to be around other dogs that are going to help them not be so ridiculous. This has been the number one most important thing for my work with my clients is allowing these dogs to actually be around other dogs, experience other dogs, and not have anything go wrong. And it's said to have everything go right. And they start to learn, and the reason I call it remedial socialization is because they start to learn what behaviors actually do work to get what they want from other dogs versus behaviors that don't work to get them what they want around other dogs. What we as positive reinforcement trainers very, very often inadvertently train dogs is that if they react, the first thing they're going to get is distance from the other dog. And we need to remember that aggression is a distance-seeking behavior. And so if our dog is barking and lunging and we immediately seek distance from the trigger, are we doing them a kindness? Yes, we are in the short term. But... Are we teaching them that that behavior gets them exactly what they want in the long term? Yes, it is. So that's just another tough piece about this puzzle is that we need to help them to understand that if they want distance, there are other ways they can ask for that. And if they want interaction, there are other ways they can ask for that. Because the same number of dogs that are reactive, barking and lunging, um, are seeking interaction versus gaining versus seeking distance. It's a very you know interesting set of behaviors that is seeking different goals sometimes. So remedial socialization tends to be the first place I go for those dogs. And then let's talk just a bit about prevention because I think that we can prevent this behavior and we're not. We're not doing a great job of it. First of all, teach your dogs to ignore other dogs when they're on the leash from the get-go. I teach this in the whole picture, which is my online course that's running right now, you've got about nine more days to register. It's on FenzyDogSportsAcademy.com. It's called The Whole Picture, Behavioral Wellness for Performance Dogs. And we teach this in that course because I think it is a core skill that we need to be teaching in foundation classes that when they are on a leash, they should ignore social opportunities. That Another dog approaching is an opportunity to get food, not an opportunity to engage that other dog in play. 
I think that's really important. Unfortunately, I think too many people do that in large quantities and then they don't do any actual free interaction of their dogs. And then their dogs develop problems around other dogs because they don't understand how to be social around other dogs either. I would also avoid unnatural socialization attempts, meaning shoving a lot of dogs into a small room or um, maybe into a small fenced dog park for quote-unquote socialization. I want socialization to always involve lots of free movement and lots of mutual enjoyment activities. So understand that kindergarten for children looks like this. The kids show up and then the kids do mutual activities. They color, they play with blocks, they play on the playground. They're always doing something around each other. And then in puppy kindergarten, we shove them all in a room and say, the most interesting in there is each other. Have at it. I would be so much more inclined to do puzzle toys, things to climb on, things to climb under, things to play with in that room for puppy kindergarten. And people are going to freak out. They're going to say, what about resource garters? Tiny babies, 12 weeks, 8 weeks to 12 weeks, they shouldn't be exhibiting those kinds of behaviors to other dogs. And if they are, genius, beautiful, they're not going to hurt anyone. And the trainer can say, look, I, I just noticed a problem that we can nip in the bud right now. Let's get you signed up for private lessons. Let's figure this out. Um, adult dogs, I don't think there's a reason to shove them in a small room together. I've worked in dog daycares for a very long time. I don't think they're beneficial. Um, I don't think they're a good idea for the majority of dogs. Again, because we're all shoved in a small room with you know, the only other interesting thing here is you. So I'm going to chew on you, body slam you, roll you over, totally act socially inappropriate. I'm into natural socialization opportunities. So we're all on a nature walk together. The world is really interesting. We're sniffing the world. We're playing in water. And then we're also playing with each other. Or if it is a classroom environment, mutual training. We're, we're all being trained. Or we're all snuffling through a snuffle mat. Or we're all playing with a soccer ball. Um, so, so the most interesting thing in there is not the other dogs. And because I don't think we're done here, um, in the next episode, I'm actually going to talk to a trainer who I know personally who works this pretty much every day of the week. She works reactivity every day of the week and she's doing a really good job of it. So we are going to have that interview next time. So definitely submit your questions for her and for me about reactivity, dog-directed reactivity in general, on the Cog Dog Radio Facebook page, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Cog Dog Radio. If you have questions or suggestions, shoot them over to cogdogradio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like the Cog Dog Radio Facebook page. And until next time, happy training.